0: Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia is a new anthology by First Nations people from across the land. Edited by Anita Heiss, this collection is an insight into the experiences of racism that Indigenous people face every day and also of their strength and resilience. There are 52 stories by contributors, including people like actor Miranda Tapsell, opera singer Deborah Cheatham, former AFL football player Adam Goods. And Natalie Chrome, she's a legal professional, writer, activist and mum. Hi Natalie, how Hi. are you?
1: good thanks, how are you?
0: Good, thank you. Why did you decide to contribute your story to the book? Because I know um, there was a call for submissions, people wrote in, said so they yeah. wanted to tell their story.
1: I was pressured by a lot of people who have read my writing for some time now um, and know that I am very much an activist and a, I guess one of those people that rouse against racism and injustice in the world, not just to Indigenous people but to all sorts of minorities. Um, but I was pushed to write about this because I often share on social media stories about my childhood and particular stories that my grandfather shared when we were growing up. So that was peer pressure ultimately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, they did a good thing. And and while the book contains stories that are um, deeply moving and distressing in many ways. The start of your story is really beautiful. Like it's talk- yeah. talking about your, um, like you said, your childhood, going back to country for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: I wanted to just talk about the beauty that was my childhood. And I felt nothing but happiness when I was on country with my people. And we grew up two hours away from, from where our all of our family are from in Tamworth, but um, all of our family are in Coonabarabrum, which is a lot smaller community. Um, there were better work and school opportunities in Tamworth, so mum and dad took us there. But every school holidays it was back on country with Nan and Pop and all of the cousins and uncles and aunties, and it was just it was the best part of my life ultimately. You describe a moment where it feels like
0: coming home, something about the smell in the air and yeah. the...
1: Just, you breathe differently when you're on country. You can breathe deeper and you just feel relaxed. It's like your muscles relax when you're on country. And as a kid, it was always excitement and just, I guess, that energy of being with your family, with your people, having absolutely no reservations about who you are, what you're doing and who you're with. Um, As an adult going back... I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity that I still get to go back. I still get to go see family. I still have a lot of family that are here with us, um, including my grandfather, who is a stalwart. He'll outlive us all. (laughs) Um, He's amazing. So I get to go home and see all of those people. And now that I'm older, I can appreciate that the feeling I get when I get up there, that's what it means to be on country. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It does sound um, like a spiritual experience and something that's deeply connected, but it also sounds like at the time, the relief, part of the relief was being in a space where you didn't have to explain yourself.
1: Yeah, it was a safe space. And when you're, I guess, when you're older, you talk about cultivating safe spaces wherever you are, whether you're at work, university, in social settings, and there's a lot of talk among particularly the younger generation as far as finding their way in the world and creating safe spaces so that they can tell their stories, there was definitely a sense that that was my only safe space. When I was among the other community members in Tamworth, I didn't feel as free. I felt very like I had to watch myself what I said, are people going to judge me, Um, that
0: sort of thing. And even in school, you mentioned moments when which sounds incredible now, over the loudspeaker, the Mm. Indigenous kids would be asked to go to a part of
1: the school. all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids to the quadrangle. That was the, the PA announcement and we were all called there. And, you know, you'd go from, you'd go there embarrassingly being jeered by your classmates or you'd be so embarrassed that you'd sit in class and try to ignore it and then someone would point out, won't your mob think that you've gone walkabout? Shouldn't you be down there with the other black kids? Um, that sort of thing. So and
0: did that? That and it just sounds so strange because you're still quite young, may yeah. like I say. So it doesn't it <laughs> seem it seems such a strange thing to happen not so long not in our not so past. long ago.
1: But I was again. Was it, it coming was...
0: from a good place? Were they thinking that we we want to get you together and celebrate your culture? The, I don't know what were they doing. I
1: think the the rationale behind the get togethers was definitely well intentioned on the part of the school and the the organizers who were trying to get us together for great events. But in a country town where it's not very multicultural and the only difference is white and black, it it was very prominent and it was called out by all the children, of course. Towards
0: the I mean you talk a lot about when you were younger, but when you're eighteen or you're at an eighteenth, a friend of yours introduced you to someone as Nat, she's an abbo, Mm -hmm. and then followed that with, but she's all right or something. Now, this sounded like you you mentioned they were a friend. So this was obviously someone you liked, someone who liked you. Yeah. Is casual racism from a friend more cutting than the blatant racism from a stranger? Definitely.
1: Definitely. And I think that's why that night has stuck with me since then because I realised – you don't let your guard down when you're not among your own people. Um, you just never know what's going through someone's head. And this is someone that I'd been friends with throughout school. And when I was introduced like that to a party, it really, it really shocked me.
0: But it came it from a friend.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And again, I repeat, you're quite young. So it wasn't that not long. Not that long ago, We're not no. talking about the 50s or no, even the no. 80s. No. 90s. 90s. Early
1: 2000s, actually. Oh, stop. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Natalie Chrome. She's a mum, legal professional, writer and activist. She's also contributed to an anthology called Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia. And we were just talking about the things that Natalie had written about in the book, what it was like being seen as different for her entire childhood and feeling comfortable when she was at home on country and the difference that was. Reading this, one thing that struck me was I have found as a mum that I am hypersensitive to my children experiencing something that might have hurt me as a child. So if I was a little bit awkward at school and if I see my daughter not necessarily making friends, Mm -hmm. my heart is instantly in my throat. And so I wonder what it's like for you, given this anthology is really shedding a light or throwing a light on the fact that racism is still alive and well in Australia today. What's it like for you raising your daughter now?
1: Um, Nerve-wracking. Racism is definitely still alive and well. It's definitely still coming from the home um, and from, obviously, the educational curriculum, which is very limited in what it does teach at a young age about Aboriginality and, I guess, the history of this country. And so when I send my seven-year-old to school, I try to give her enough confidence in herself that she would never feel questioned in her identity by other children. And I'm I'm very, very fortunate that she's a strong-willed young woman. She she has had a couple of occasions where she's been um subject to a bit of bullying and definitely racial bullying at school. And she's just said, well that's their problem. I know who I am. I'm oh, Gamilla Roy. <laughs> bless her. So, I'm I'm very lucky that she's a strong kid. Yeah. That's
0: that is awesome. I mean, it's interesting you say that about school because I had assumed that since I was a kid that um the history of how we treated First Nations people, I thought we had grappled with that at school. I thought that perhaps they were teaching uh, a more true how do you say that? A more honest Interpretation of our history, I, I thought that, and then I thought I reflected on the fact that we still celebrate Australia Day on January twenty sixth. So then I thought there's a tension there. But then am I am I giving us too much credit? We haven't our history curriculum still isn't matching what's happened.
1: There are there are definitely elements of progress, but then there's things where you have to look at the language, you you know, it's still being taught that Australia was settled and the country was formed in 1788 and it was federated in 1901 and there's just this invisibility of the issue of, well, this country actually already existed and what happened was a cessation of one cultural custodianship over the land. And then from 1788, this is what's happened. And I think that language definitely plays a part. And I'm not sure if you'll recall, but a a year or so ago, there was the big um, furor at university when the university said, well, actually, no, this land was not settled. And then, you know, it went through throughout all of the media about, you know, people getting offended, like, it's time to get over it. Um, But we actually (laughs) actually haven't done anything to get over it and move on. So I think that language and the curriculum definitely needs a bit of work to make it a bit more um, palatable to Aboriginal people so that we feel like we're being heard and we know that we don't have to sanitise what our children are learning at school. I know that with the Australia Day lessons that my daughter learns and with the Settlement of Australia lessons, I have to have conversations with her so that she understands the factual nature and where facts are inaccurately portrayed as cool. And then I have to teach her, but this is what they're learning, so you can't interrupt that, but you know the truth. Do you think a way through with
0: children could be, if, if people are worried about the sanitised version of history, would be a celebration of everything that was here before, yeah. before the colonisers came? I mean, it feels to me like that's a part of my education that I only got as an adult. Yeah. yeah. A- and still am learning about just the wealth of understanding about the environment, mm-hmm. about cultural practices, about language. All of those things seem to be something at the moment children would have to actively go and search for. I mean, they is do. that a different way that we could change the history? Yeah,
1: of yeah. If we If we reframe it from guilt to celebrate and coming together, I think that that would definitely help change the landscape and it would definitely help facilitate more conversations between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. And I think that um, children are certainly the bright spark that will lead the way. Um, My daughter, she is a huge environmentalist and she's constantly chipping me if I use a straw. <laughs> um, she's like, Mum, you're You're supposed to be a custodian of this land. What are you doing?
0: Oh, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh so,
1: that's why we've got kids, right? Yeah, <laughs> hold us to account. Yes.
0: Uh, this book itself, I know it's probably aimed at more at older children than ours that we're talking about here. But how do you think a book like this, that is aimed to go into educational um, facilities, how how do you think it can change the status quo?
1: I think children are in, are equipped with an empathy beyond what we have as adults. I think as we grow, we become more jaded and we just numb everything that's going on around us. And I think that children, by reading these stories, it will really tap into that empathy and they will question things and they will always take on board, like, what am I doing? How am I treating people around me? Um, I didn't know that this would hurt people if I spoke this way. Um, I think it will... Create more conversations and have children, I guess, educating the adults around the dinner, t- dinner table.
0: And just finally, you mentioned um, about how you're educating your daughter. This is the facts, this is what you're taught, this is the facts. How else are you raising her to embrace her culture and life changes a lot as we get older and we work, and I'm not sure how often you get to go back with her, but are you trying to get her back to country like yeah. you used to do?
1: We we definitely go back at least once a year. Um, more if we can. But I guess the beauty of living in the location that we live, we live on Dural country down south. So we definitely go out in the bush all the time. And she learns from Aboriginal elders in the location. Um, so she learns about her culture, maybe not Gamilaroi culture, but um, when we go home, that's when she gets her, her own family learnings.
0: It's Reconciliation Week. What are your hopes for reconciliation moving forward?
1: I think uh, my hopes, I'm very altruistic in my thinking, my hopes are that all of the people in this country, whether they're Indigenous or non-Indigenous, can embrace the tr- the truthful history of this country, can come together in trying to amend the hurt that's been caused throughout history and I guess forge a new path together. There needs to be a line in the sand and there needs to be people walking over that line together into the future and... Um, but it definitely can't be hollow words. It has to be. There has to be real and meaningful action taken.
0: Natalie, it has been such an interesting conversation. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. That's Natalie Chrome. She's a legal professional, writer, activist and mum. The book is Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia. It's edited by Anita Heiss and published by Black Ink Books. <laughs>